I'm master at life and weight loss coach, Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. This bonus episode of the Body You Crave podcast, I'm talking with my friend, Shannon Brome Ward. Shannon is a money mindset coach, so I really wanted to bring her on and talk about money and our thoughts and beliefs and the stories that we have, which she shares with us, we pick up and adopt from the age of seven. And so from such an early young age, we start to try to make sense of the world around us. And money is definitely a part of that. We all use money, we spend money, we have thoughts about money, and it there's no right or wrong. We just want to start to look at how do we create a healthy relationship to money, just like we're creating a healthy relationship to food. And so I I wanted to have her on for a few reasons. One, talking about money is just something that I'm interested and passionate about. I think there are a lot of people in the space who are trying to do a service and they're wanting to make an impact and do, I think they have the best of intentions, but sometimes I think they get it wrong. There are some big kind of well-known people that I really don't agree with a lot of what they're saying. Like you have to cut back on lattes or saying that things are frivolous or trying to instill this idea that debt is evil and you should avoid it and not have any at all costs. And There are these concepts that, again, I think they have good intentions, but I don't like the way that they are handling it. It's similar to approach around food with like, well, sugar is evil or carbs are toxic and you should never eat these things or processed foods. You know, like we can create a lot of fear and drama around food to where it doesn't serve us. It doesn't create the end result that we want. So I have my own personal thoughts and opinions on money and things like that. And I've done so much work myself on it. But I also wanted to bring in some other people because money affects us in all different ways. If you didn't listen to the previous episode, I really encourage you to go back and listen to how money is tied to our weight loss and how our money beliefs and thoughts about money and spending money or being wasteful with money impacts food and overeating and overconsuming. And so it seeps into every area of life, not to mention money, sex, and kids are the top three things that spouses and people fight over. I would say money being top, maybe the number one. It's hard to say, you know, for every relationship, it's probably different. But that is specifically why I'm bringing on people to talk about money, to talk about sex, to talk about parenting, and then also going into that to talk about relationships and marriage because we don't eat in a vacuum. Different things in our life are going to stress us out. They're going to trigger different reactions. And a lot of what we come to the table with today as adults started and was implemented from a very young age. We have a lot of ideas around food and we've got to clean our plates and we don't want to be wasteful. And, you know, I spent $12 on this margarita. So damn it, I'm going to drink it even if I don't want it. Even if the pleasure and the enjoyment factor has been lost and it's no longer there, I'm going to drink it because, well, that would be wasteful not to. So again, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, make sure you go back and listen because that's going to help to set the stage around money and weight loss in particular, while also making room for how money can impact our joy and happiness and pleasure and our ability to enjoy life now, today, and how it can create, it can 
be a stressor for some people. So how do we start to work through this? How do we start to think about money differently? How do we open up the conversation, especially if you do have a spouse or a partner in talking about money and setting plans? And I call my budget, if you will, it's not a budget, it's a spending plan. Because to me, budget and diet are in like the same realm of words where I get turned off by it. To me, budget feels very restrictive and confining, whereas a spending plan, even though it's like the exact same thing, it is the exact same thing. I'm just calling it something different, right? It's like my eating plan. I want to have a list out all that I get to eat today, not this kind of restrictive approach. And so it's really interesting to look at how even just using different words impacts how we think and feel about money. So enough of my rambling here on this intro. This is just something that I'm so, so excited to share. And I can't wait to have Shannon back on. We have several ideas of future podcasts that she'll be on, but I'm so excited to dive into her with this today. All right, let's go. All right. Welcome back to another bonus episode of the Body You Crave podcast. I'm so excited to have my friend Shannon Brome Ward on the show today. So Shannon, thank you so much for being here. Oh, Jillian, thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. I'm so glad that we're going to have this opportunity to speak to one another. I know when you mentioned the podcast to me before and we talked about it a little bit, I just thought that this is such a great opportunity to speak to your audience. And I'm really honored yeah. that you invited me. Um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are and what you do? Okay. Like Jillian mentioned, I'm Shannon Bromward. I'm a certified money coach for six-figure earners who are living paycheck to paycheck. So basically what I do is I help these folks who are bringing in a considerable amount of money in their household find out where their money's going, right? Mm -hmm. And I help them build wealth while eliminating all of the shame and the guilt and the fear that they have around money. Mm hmm. Yes, absolutely. It's been really interesting as I've kind of ventured and journeyed into this entrepreneurial world, how much money stories and beliefs really kind of came to the surface. And when I was first starting out online and I started working in this network marketing company, I had a mentor there who had told me about Denise Duffield Thomas, who also talks about money beliefs and money. And it was really interesting because at the time I was like, oh, I don't have, I don't have problems with money. Like I don't have problems taking people's money or charging money. Like I have no money blocks. Like that's not, that's not a thing. And it wasn't probably for like another year or two until I hit this point where all of a sudden I just had this epiphany and I was like, Oh my goodness, I have money blocks. Like where did this come from? And it was kind of this realization of, wow, I do have some drama and stories and thoughts and beliefs that hold me back from either making more, asking for money, charging for services, things like that. And so I think it's just such an important conversation that we have as women, regardless of whether you are a stay-at-home wife or stay-at-home mom, or you work in the corporate world, or you run a business. You know, it doesn't matter kind of where you fit in this world career-wise. We all use money. We all spend money. We all have thoughts and stories that we grew up with. So I'm so excited that you're here and that we can really dive into this because it is such a a pervasive thing and and such a taboo topic to talk about money. It's not typical conversation to be like, oh, who are you? What do you do? How much money do you make? You know, like (laughs) we don't, we just don't do certain things. 
Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, it's so funny because it is very pervasive. Money touches all aspects of our lives and everybody uses it. Yet still, it is so taboo and so hush-hush and we just don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And there's this weird fascination with people who have a lot of it and Mm, this love-hate relationship with people who have a lot of it. As well as the same level of condemnation for some people who don't. Uh So we have this really complex relationship with money in our society society. So it's just fascinating. And it really starts in the home. So from the time, by the time you're seven years old, you have some semblance of a money story and it's not necessarily sophisticated at all, but you have learned in your microcosm, your family, that this is how money operates. So, you know, they either people either talk about it or they don't talk about it. They're arguing about it. There's a lot of it. There isn't enough of it. You know, whatever that is, people are sneaking the money, you know, sneaking Mm -hmm. things in, you know, all of these thoughts around money and you have this understanding of how it operates by the time you're seven. And many of us drag that money story with us into adulthood, unaware Right. Unaware of what we're bringing, but it's there. And when I usually work with my clients, I ask them, what's your earliest memory of money in your household? And they're amazed when they go back and they think about it because that money story is showing up today. You know, that's where it starts in the household. And then, of course, like you mentioned, as women, there are all of these societal expectations of women with money. And, you know, there's tons of data about women are only paid like 60 cents to the dollar that men are paid. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're in corporate, if you're a stay at home mom and you don't believe that you're contributing because you're not bringing in the cash, you know, what does that mean in terms of your place in the household? I mean, there's just so much about money. And then one of the major things that I'm seeing a lot with a lot of women who are entrepreneurs and have their own businesses, they're starting to out earn their partners. Uh And that has an impact on the dynamic of the relationship. And because money's taboo in society, it's surely taboo in the household, especially when now you're you know, one of the major earners. And I find that even these women who are like, are starting starting to make multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars, they still aren't looking at the money as their contribution Mm -hmm. and that they Mm -hmm. have an education about what to do with it, how to invest it, where to put it, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So it's just really interesting that that same money story, whether you're creating a lot of money Mm. still is there once you do, right? Also, I find that those money stories show up in other ways they sometimes people repel money uh-huh. they're not even aware of it so things like oh I don't need to make a lot of money the story that a lot of women tell themselves well, what am I going to do with all that money I don't need to make a lot of money you know mm-hmm. things like that which almost like creates this huge barrier between them and the revenue that they want right. to bring in whether it's asking for a raise if they're in a corporate environment or putting themselves out there for a promotion or, Mm -hmm. you know, more visible position, Mm -hmm. or if they're entrepreneurs and they're not Mm -hmm. taking those leaps and those plunges to do things in their business that can really enable them to grow. So it's really interesting how, you know, some folks repel it. And then I've noticed that other folks dispose of it really quickly, Uh Uh you know? Yeah. 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 It's fascinating to see like these patterns play out and then what I found for myself is that not only were there stories that were adopted at a very young age and a lot of scarcity and urgency around money, tension, there wasn't enough, you know, things like that, that often would lead me to spend to where I kept 
this story of not enough. And so even though it was uncomfortable, I still kept on like it was safe to be there. And so how do we start to break through some of these stories and change them if we feel like if we start to recognize them and realize, okay, this isn't working for me anymore. Where do we go from there? Yeah, I think one of the first things you have to do is realize, like, what is your money story, right? Mm -hmm. Am I repelling it? Am I disposing of it? Am I hoarding it? Am I hoarding money? Am I just putting these, you know, piles of money in a corner in the bank or what have you? Because that makes me feel safe. Right. So identifying these money stories first and foremost is key. And then really looking to finding communities where people are comfortable talking about money. Mm, Yeah. Easier said than done. Right. Uh Because most people are (laughs) like, I don't want to talk about how much money I have or don't have because there's shame and sometimes guilt. Right. So you have to put yourself in a room with folks who are comfortable discussing money. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. So discussing it and then talking about what are you doing with it? Like sometimes you're at the stage where you're like, okay, I need to be able to create money, Mm -hmm. right? So you want to be in a room with folks who are talking about creating money, earning money, earning a certain amount of money. And your particular environment may not allow for that. So it's important to find those folks. Then you want to necessarily be in in a place with people who are like, okay, I've created the money. Now what? Like, can I build on this? Can I grow wealth? Can I continue to make money? And what does that mean? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of the times, and particularly with women, once they start earning this money and then they may want to make more money, Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, you're greedy. Yes. You know what I mean? What are you doing? Why can't you be content? Why aren't you happy with what you've got? Yes. So there's this whole desire to like shrink, shrink Mm -hmm. yourself, Mm -hmm. shrink your dreams, shrink your thoughts. And it's like, well, what if you were to create more money Mm -hmm. and bingo, you did great things with it, right? Because I feel like if you create a lot of money and you decide that you want to share your wealth with people, what's wrong with that? There are a lot of people who could benefit from your help, right? right? And you can also invest your money and continue to build that wealth. So you could do that more and Mm -hmm. spend it, Mm -hmm. spend money. It's fun. It's fun to spend money. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing it away does not seem like a good time, right? Right, right. It's one thing to save up for, to purchase something like that can be kind of fun and exciting. It gives you a goal. I even really enjoyed saving up to pay off my student loans. Like that made me feel really good, but it was like, there was a purpose and kind of a motivation for that. So how would you, like, what would you say to the woman who does feel guilty spending money, whether she brings and contributes money to the household or not, there can be guilt regardless as to what she's spending it on or how much she's spending. And definitely a lot of maybe shame or judgment or guilt guilt from other people around her as to whether it's too much or we just can get into a a long list of things. But what would you say to somebody like that or in that situation? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'd always ask them to really get curious about why it matters to them that they're spending on these particular things, because I think it's Mm -hmm. important to have your thing right? Or things that you like to spend money on. I think that's fine. Yeah. And that's not for any of us to judge, right? Like if you go to the spa all the time, or if you buy paper clips, it doesn't matter. (laughs) That's your choice, right? So I think it's important to know why this particular thing is important to you and what Uh the 
return on that investment is because sometimes you're spending uh-huh. and you're getting a return on investment that isn't monetary uh-huh. or it isn't monetary, but indirectly. So for example, like going back to that spa example, mm-hmm. you decide that going to the spa is something that you want to do. You got to go once a month, for example. And you know, you may think that's a big expense, but what that does for you is it puts you into a different self-concept where you mm-hmm. can relax and that's time for you. And you remind yourself of how important you are and how mm-hmm. you have to take care of yourself. And that enables you to go out and serve more and give more and take care of others, right? Mm-hmm. Then that may be beneficial. And how am I or you or anyone else able mm-hmm. to determine if that makes sense that you're spending right. really grounded and firm in what is important for you and your well-being so yeah. that you say, I'm comfortable spending on this. Right. The other thing is, I can't stress it enough, is being in the community of other women who are comfortable with money. Because it, especially if the way you acquire the money or if you didn't have money before or whatever the history is, you need to sometimes catch up. Your self-concept has to catch up to where you are today. And there's nothing like having other people around you who get it yeah. and who can support you, right? right? What you're doing. So the community is key. And yeah. also working on it. It doesn't happen overnight, right? Mm-hmm. And I really see that in the mastermind that I'm in with some of the women that I mm-hmm. work with. I mean, they're making tons of money. They're doing really well for themselves, but their self-concept hasn't necessarily caught up. Right, right. right? And it doesn't change them, the yeah. person that they are, but things around them start to change. They want to do things yeah. that they do before. They want to experience things that they didn't get to experience before. They want to share their wealth in various ways. A lot of the times sharing their time, right? That wealth buys them time. Right. Things that they always wanted to do and didn't get to do before. Mm -hmm. And they have to become comfortable with sometimes those comments about must be nice that you Mm -hmm. get to do this, right? Mm -hmm. And start to unpack do, why do I feel guilty? Why do I feel like I'm not entitled to it? Right, right. right. So, yeah, the community and the, the work, the thought work that goes into that is really what makes the difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So a couple of things came up there. One is that I think so often we feel guilt or shame around spending on ourselves or even on like self-care aspects. It's a lot of times positioned as, well, take care of yourself so that you can take care of others and not even just to take care of yourself, just to take care of yourself, you know, just because you enjoy it. (laughs) You know, like we have to start prioritizing that and allowing that and make that normal and not make it mean that we're being selfish or entitled or that some how we're taking away from others around us. And I think a lot of times we get stuck in this box, especially with money being a zero sum game. Well, if I'm making it, somebody else is not. If I'm spending money on a massage, well, that means my child is not going to be able to, I can't buy him clothes or, you know, we're not going to be, he doesn't, he somehow is going to be detrimentally affected because I'm going and, you know, getting a massage or doing my nails or buying a handbag or whatever it might be. And I think that can come from childhood. And then it comes also from just that constant echo chamber of like people that were around in the comments and, you know, hearing it from others in our circle. Yeah. Well, the idea is that money is finite, right? Mm -hmm. There's only so much money around. And so that concept means that exactly what you're saying. Well, if I'm spending on X, I'm taking away from Y. 
Yeah. If you're spending on X, you can create more money so that you can spend on Y. If that's what you want to do, right? So it's also that belief that money is so hard to create and so hard to keep. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a great thought error there of like money's hard to create, it's hard to keep. So dig into that, unpack that a little bit for us. How is that false or just a thought error? Well, it's part of some of the things that we just say in society that we just take for granted that like money doesn't grow on trees. Money. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, I only and the things that we say, I only have this much money and then that's it. I can't afford it. And that's it. And we immediately place these ceilings on ourselves. Yeah. And we're not taught to think I can't afford it. And this is what I'm going to do in order to create the money. Yeah. I can't afford it is a complete sentence in our society. Yeah. And we accept it. Yeah. Right. That's the end. It's societally acceptable for us to say that and to end the conversation there. Yeah. We end it with the person that we're engaging with and we end it in our brain. Uh-huh. Like what's you uh-huh. say? everybody's like oh okay like oh okay and that's the end of it right money is there for creation there's a lot of money in circulation the question is what are you doing in terms of being creative Mm -hmm. to create that money Mm -hmm. right but when you have that Mm -hmm. money story it's like oh nobody ever has money it's so hard to access it it's so hard to you know to gain money create money grow money that perpetuates that cycle of oh then it's a zero-sum game like you said it's finite there's only so much of it Mm -hmm. which is not true Mm -hmm. It's mm-hmm. not true. And it's also easy to keep, right? Mm-hmm. It isn't about, and this is where I think the priorities come in, that yeah. use your money, use your money, whatever you've created, however you want. Yeah. You know, you can look at your numbers by all means. You look at what's coming in, remove the stuff you don't care about yeah. and the stuff you do. Yeah. And any residual money is then there to continue to grow and to build and you invest it and you create more money. Mm-hmm. It is not finite. Mm-hmm. It, you can keep it, you can grow it, you can do whatever you want with it. But once you say, this is all I have, mm-hmm. shut down those creative centers in your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there are many ways that we can get creative with coming up with money, with finding money to pay for things. You know, it's like we thought about a cancer treatment that we needed to pay for. We think about something that's going to be life saving. And it's like we find ways to make money. We sell things. We cash in IRAs. Maybe are going to sell a house and move in with parents or, you know, like we downsize. We get rid of expensive cars. We find all kinds of ways to finance things that are important to us. Yeah. And it is all about really looking at what is important to you? What is the most efficient and effective way of using money? Yeah. So yeah, I totally agree. Absolutely. And for a lot of my clients who are making, you know, six figures, they don't want to shrink their lifestyles. They don't want to sell their cars. They don't want to sell their homes. They don't want to do the business. They don't want to do any of that, right? It's really important for them to get, to become really honest with themselves and say, okay, what's important to you? Right. Right. Because all of these things aren't necessarily important. And once they do that and they say, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, this is my focus and this is where I am now and this is where I want to be. It doesn't take very long for them to start making those shifts and looking at, hey, why am I spending on this? Why is this money going in this direction? And oh, yeah, I have skills and the ability to create more money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So for a long time, I didn't like looking at money. I didn't like looking at bank 
bank accounts. I didn't like looking at credit card bills. I didn't like looking at my student loan debt. Like I didn't like, it was more of just a out of sight, out of mind. I don't have to think about it. And when I didn't look at it, I didn't have to deal with the thoughts and emotions that came up with what I was making that mean about things or what I was, you know, reading into. And so it was really easy to not look, not focus. And I think a lot of women can do that today, whether they're in debt or maybe their husband handles finances. So what are some of your tips or suggestions for becoming more aware of money and paying it attention and also not kind of going into that shame spiral of, well, this was bad. I shouldn't be doing this. I can't ever get my act together. Why haven't I figured this out by now? Things like that. So there are two things there. I find that most people who, and most of the women who don't want to look at the debt or the income or the finances, they're still thinking about it. Mm-hmm. They're still thinking about it. It's showing up in other areas of their lives, right? It's show, They're not sleeping. They're concerned about their kids going to college. How are we going to pay for that? They're concerned about you know, paying for a wedding, they're concerned Uh about retirement. They may not be looking at it right now on Mm -hmm. like on a daily basis, but they're still thinking about it. It's showing up in their health. It's showing up in their sleep. It's showing up somewhere else in their lives. Mm -hmm. So that's a big part of it that they, Mm -hmm. even though they're trying to turn away from it, it's still there and there's that undercurrent of it. So it's really, really encourage women to start talking about it. It's uncomfortable Uh and I get it, but that's where the growth occurs, right? Uh-huh. Start looking at these finances. I also encourage women to do that too, because what happens a lot of the times is something happens to their spouse, or if they get divorced, yeah. then they're thrown into a whole different uh, situation where now they have to quickly figure out what's been going on for all these years. Yeah. Learn this entirely new language of money. Right? right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that's really interesting and really a reason why I'm like, please, you know, begging women all over to be involved in what's going on with the money stories. It doesn't mean that you have to run the entire household and right. take control, but be informed. Know yeah. what's going on because I've also seen the flip side of that where it's a completely different ball game if they're, you know, not aware of what's happening. Mm-hmm. You asked me another question when you were, t- and I just lost my train of thought there, so... Um, I don't remember now, but that was a great answer. (laughs) (laughs) If it comes back to you later, then, you know, let me know. We'll dive back into it. But yeah, no, I mean, I think that wraps that like wraps everything up pretty well. But yeah, just about, yeah, I was just asking about how do you start to yeah get into how do you handle money when you don't want to look at it? And then what about, you know, if your spouse typically looks at it or handles things? So I can just say from my experience that my husband has always like kind of managed the money and managed the finances, but I'm really grateful that he's brought me into things too. And it's, I think something that he realized he had to do because if I didn't realize what was, could be spent, what needed to be spent on bills, like if I wasn't a part of that conversation, then I couldn't follow the plan and he wasn't going to actually stick with his budget, his spending, which I asked him to call a spending plan. Because for me, I had a lot of money issues I realized come up around budget and it felt very restrictive, kind of like a diet can feel very restricted and what you're allowed to eat and you can't do this or do that. And so with spending plan, it well, here's how we're going to spend the money. Even though it's like the exact same thing, the language for me just feels better. And for a time, like 
was really what I needed. And so the fact that he brought me in on that was really, I really appreciated that about his desire to want to have savings money and investment money. And then he also gave us both spending money. And he realized like, all right, she's going to spend money whether I like it or not. So I better give her money and give her these parameters of here's how much you can spend each week or each month. And it was so funny. He is very much of the mindset of like, I will calculate down to the day and know that I have $4.07 to spend every single day if I so choose, or I can save my $4.07. And so it was really funny that I like doing my spending money, like either by the month or calculating things out every quarter, because a lot of times it's like, oh, I know every three months I like to buy running shoes every so many months. Like this is what happens. And it used to drive him crazy, but it's like, you've got to figure out what works for you. And he really liked the daily spending amount. And now we're both kind of into the monthly aspect of things, but figuring out what's going to work well for you and giving, I'd say giving room to like try and have it not work. You know, like don't think that this is never going to work. We just need to try something different. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the idea that you're, you mentioned that your husband was the one who was in charge of the finances, but he knew that it made sense to bring you in. Yeah, And that is so key. I noticed that a lot of the times when there is a partner who's in charge of the finances, but that person may not want to be in charge of the finances by themselves, uh-huh. right? Yeah. They actually want their partner to be involved, but the, that partner is so averse to looking at the money that this person, they're like, I don't feel confident Mm. doing this, but because my partner is so averse to looking at it, Mm -hmm. I'm the default person in charge. Mm -hmm. When in Mm -hmm. actuality, if they come together and both talk about it and, Mm -hmm. you know, get some help that by all means some help with it, they would be amazed at how it changes the nature of their relationship. Because oftentimes one person feels so resentful that they're doing this thing. They also are scared out of their minds because they're like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but because the person doesn't want to do it, I'm like, okay, let me try. And they are afraid that they're messing up the future of the family, right? I love that he brought you in too, to see what's happening and to understand that, hey, you're going to spend money. Obviously, you're both adults in the relationship. (laughs) You know what I mean? You need to know what's going on here. So I really think that that's such a good lesson for so many people that, Mm -hmm. yeah, your husband or your wife may be taking care of the finances, but they might not want to do it and may not be very good at it. And Mm -hmm. your support and understanding that yeah. Help. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or in making big decisions around like, you know, buying a house or buying a car, what are we comfortable spending? You know, my husband and I, we just bought a vacation rental property along the coast. And so there were times where I wanted to just be like, well, this is something you want to do. I'll default to you, whatever you think is best. And he was often like, will you check my math? Will you come? Like, I want to talk about this. Let's have this conversation. And yeah, he doesn't want to do it all on his own. And I totally get that too. Like we want to be looking at things from all different angles. And I come up with certain thoughts or concerns or things that maybe he hasn't thought of yet. And we both kind of went back and forth on, do we do this? Do we not? And there were times where we were both kind of talking each other back into, no, it feels kind of scary right now, but I think this is the good move for us. Like, I think this is going to help us diversify. This is going to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. Let's keep moving forward. So it is something where it's better done as two if you have, you know, if you are married and then if you are single, really owning the finances and recognizing like, okay, this is a response 
responsibility that I'm taking on because I have these other goals for my life and what I want to be able to do. And it's like sometimes we have that short term sacrifice of kind of getting through the the discomfort of managing money on our own. And like you said before, of kind of working through some of those money stories of why am I making this hard on myself? Why am I thinking that this is hard or an issue or somehow a problem? Yeah. Yeah. Because when you work through those money stories and you realize this is quite simple, you know what I mean? And it's life changing and it doesn't need to be, you don't need to have all of this sacrifice Mm -hmm. to do it in actuality, because it's not sacrifice when you're getting rid of the things you don't really care about. Yes. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. But it's so life changing and committing to the process with your partner or if you're single, finding that community with Mm -hmm. other like minded folks who know, hey, this is where you want to go and they can support you in your journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of your tips for starting to have those money conversations? Because, I mean, if it's not something that's talked about much or it's typically one person's job and they manage everything, how do you how do you even broach the subject? Is it just a simple, hey, I'd like to talk about our finances? You know, I think sometimes there's fear of like, where is this coming from? Why do you want to know? But I know I've had clients who they don't even have passwords and logins to the bank accounts to be able to check what's in the savings or what's in the checking account. Or she's like, I think I had a login like five years that I was issued, but you know, so things like that come up and it can sometimes lead to maybe skepticism on the partner's part of like, why do you want to know what's going on here? So how do you do this in a loving, respectful, like collaborative way? Yeah, I think there are different scenarios that I've seen. I mean, if you are asking questions and you're curious about the finances in the household and your partner is skeptical or questioning, why do you want to know? That is an immediate red flag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So there are why, why, why is that a red flag? Because I think if you are a unit uh-huh. and you're pooling your resources uh-huh. to ask questions about the allocation of said resources shouldn't be something that the other person is surprised about. Quite uh-huh. frankly, you want to share that information. Part of those resources are yours. Uh-huh. So you want to get that information. There's no reason why you shouldn't have access to it. It's like, it would be Mm -hmm. the same as if you went to your, the bank and you're like, I'd like to see my balance. And the bank's like, why? (laughs) Because it's my money. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's why. Right. So I think that if you were to question your partner about, okay, what are we doing? What are our goals? Where's our money allocated? Educate And they're saying, no, I would be concerned. I I really would be because you're a unit. So there's no reason why you shouldn't get the information. You shouldn't be privy to the information. You shouldn't have Uh access. If Uh you are the partner who for a long time was like, "Uh, I don't want to look at it. You know, Uh and now you're like, you know what? This is maybe something that I'm interested in. I see more often than not that the partner that's been running the show, financial show, is more than happy Mm -hmm. to have some of that weight taken off of them and shared because they're making all of these large decisions alone Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. hoping on a wing and a prayer that you're okay with them too, right? Or that, you know, you may have some insight, obviously, into what your future, what you want your future to look like. So I think it's 
more often than not, I've seen the partner say, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And usually that's brokered with some sort of help, right? So that those conversations can be had because a lot of the times, the reason why one of the partners has turned away from looking at the money is because they've gotten this really stern money person who's in the relationship, who's trying to control their spending or you know, judge what they're spending their money on, Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's really so particular about every single dollar. And this other person's a lot freer and it always caused conflict. So it made sense for them to separate. At least that's what they thought. So it, you know, it does take a little bit of time and that's why sometimes having another party in there who can say to the person who's really strict with the money, can we have a little fun with it? And to the other person, Hey, are these things really important to you? Are you willing to divert those funds? to, you know, this Mm -hmm. longer term goal. Yeah. But I think it's a conversation that I find comes up more often than not when the, when the spender comes around to saying, okay, I need to address this. Mm -hmm. The relationship changes Mm -hmm. and the way they talk about money changes. Mm -hmm. When the saver or the person who's in charge of the finances tries to get that spender, for lack of a better term, on Uh board, that Uh does not uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Right. Because you're right. It, it does. It feels controlling and restrictive. And like you said, we want to be able to have fun with our money. Like we want to be able to use it and enjoy it. And so I want to talk through a couple of different situations because some women listening are working, they're bringing in money, they're contributing, and they maybe feel like they can't spend, whether they have been criticized for spending in the past, whether they have been, have felt like, you know, if it's my husband, then He's the head of the household. What he says goes, you know, I have to default to him. How would you suggest? And assuming she's not happy with that, like she wants to change that. How would she go about doing that? Like, what are some tips and suggestions for getting somebody who is kind of tight with money to open and relax a little? Yeah, I think it's really important to talk, like have this communication and this partnership where both people come to the table and get the help that they need. Right. And that's why they need somebody else in there who understands the spender's perspective, but also understands the saver's perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they need to really talk about those money stories. A lot of the times the saver has a money story where there wasn't money. Yeah. And so that means security to them. Yeah. That person coming along, their partner whom they love and they've spent all these years with saying, yeah, let's throw caution to the wind can totally cause that person to shut down, right? And so the spender has to really understand the saver's money story and vice versa, right? And so you need people, somebody there to assist you in understanding and seeing both sides, Yeah. right? But taking that first step more often than not, when, like I said, when it's the spender going to the saver and say, hey, I really want us to work together on our goals with money. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm thinking of doing. I found that the saver is more receptive because they really believe that, okay, this person isn't solely interested in just blowing all the money. Right. right? They're actually thinking about how we can grow together. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that is, that works more often than not mm-hmm. rather than the controlling end. So just having yeah. that, and you know, if you're the one who feels like you're being controlled or you feel like you're being judged for your spending habits or, you know, you're more free with spending mm-hmm. money, you know that you're the one who would have to necessarily most likely take the step to say, hey, let's start talking about money. 
-hmm. because that person is usually the one who's like, I don't want to talk about money because Mm -hmm. you're trying to control it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's so good to just look at how do we kind of decrease the emotions around money and what we're making it mean. Yeah, having these conversations, unpacking and realizing these money stories, how they've been impacted and a lot of times grown over time. It's like sometimes these seemingly harmless comments kind of turn into this snowball effect and it like starts rolling downhill. And all of a sudden you have like this giant snowman sized snowball (laughs) of thoughts and beliefs things and rights and wrongs. And we can often let one or two small interactions impact our willingness to to move forward. But yeah, I think it, it's also important to remember that when you when you're contributing in the household too financially, that it's okay to ask for to be able to spend things on things that you enjoy and what you want. When you're not contributing, and this is where I had some challenges in the past of finding yeah. like, well, do I contribute? Where is my value? If I am not bringing in money financially and supporting and contributing that way, how much of a say do I get in how it's spent? You know, where is that? Where is that line? Do I have a right to ask to spend the money if I'm not making it? Things along those lines. How would you address that? Yeah, I challenge that the other adult in the house is not contributing, right? Mm -hmm. So just because you're not bringing in the actual dollars does not mean that you do not have equal say Mm -hmm. in how that money is being spent, right? More often than not, the, the fact that that individual is at home enables that other partner to bring in all of that money. So of course you are contributing. So mm-hmm. this notion of women more often than not, who are not contributing in the household just because they're not bringing in the money is really doing them a disservice because their actual contribution of running the household and enabling that other person to work, travel, increase their earning potential, yeah. enables them to also have an equal say in what how money is being spent. So mm-hmm. again, that's really about the dynamics of the relationship. It's also about respect, mm-hmm. right? The person yes. who's at home respecting themselves yes. enough so that, yes, I am a contributor. I'm an equal contributor. And your growth may not reach this level mm-hmm. if I were not here. Yes, yes. This, yeah. So I think about this often. We recently purchased a new house. We've been repainting the entire bottom. Floor. We're going to end up repainting the whole thing. But we painted the entire bottom floor. And my husband likes to remind me of how he painted almost the entire first floor of the house as if I was sitting on the couch watching TV popping bonbons in my mouth. And I think sometimes he forgets that the reason why he could paint the entire house was because I was watching the baby and walking the dogs and managing these other things. And I made sure he still had food to eat or, you know, doing these other things. And so kind of recognizing that he feels resentful because he's looking at it like I'm doing all the work without also recognizing that he's able to do that work because he's watching the baby. And if he wants to, if we want to switch roles, like we can, but there's only so much that we can do, right? When you have a newborn and he needs to be held and fed and, you know, or is crying, it's like, there's only so much that I can contribute physically if I am taking care of him. And so just having that open communication and sometimes gently reminding your spouse or partner of that fact and questioning or asking. There was a time when my husband was being kind of rude in the way that he was speaking to me. And I asked, would you ever talk to your boss like that? And it was a simple question, but he was like, oh, you know what? I wouldn't. I'm really sorry. That really helped me to put it into perspective. So we don't have to get into these 
big confrontational dramatic fights or, you know, anything like that, we can just start to help put things into perspective or share our side of the story or even just explain like, well, this is how I see things. Tell me how you're seeing it. Have you considered this perspective yet? And you've been talking about this entire time is having that communication. Yeah, absolutely. And it really comes from respecting your contribution and the value that you're bringing to the organization of the household. Yeah, right. right. Organization and a lot of thought and planning and, you know, to run that organization. And so- you value that if you mm-hmm. value what you're doing then mm-hmm. that individual your partner will value it as well mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but if you're diminishing your mm-hmm. contribution that mm-hmm. enables them to do the same if they're already starting with that right. you know what i mean right and Absolutely. so i think it's so important for women particularly who stay at home and they need to know What's going on? Because the more and more you chip away at the value of the work that you're doing, right? Then what you're in essence, you're saying is, well, I'm not worthy of receiving this information, this education, this amount of exchange, you know, I'm, and you're an adult Mm -hmm. and we kind of forget that two adults came together, right? And then suddenly it's like, now this person is giving you permission and allowance and you have a Mm in what that is and it's like you've become you know infantilized in a way and it's like that is not the case Mm -hmm. and a lot of the times the other partner is like I'm not your parent they don't want to assume that role either right right? so communication open and being involved in all which doesn't mean you're going to necessarily take the lead but you need to know what's going on like anything else know what's going on if that's your partner's strength, great. Let them run with it. Right. If it's your strength, I know, like I said, there are a lot of women, you know, it's their strength and they're not bringing in the money, but that's their strength. Allocating the funds in the organization of the home and what they're doing in the future. And so it doesn't matter. It's just really understanding what your strengths are, valuing your contribution, and then, you know, both having open and honest communication about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think too, like not assuming that the other person has it so easy. I think that's a one place where we can get caught up, whether it's with a specific job or running a business or taking care of kids or managing the house. Like, you know, I think it's really easy without knowing the day to day of other people to just assume like, well, they have it so easy. He gets to leave the baby behind and he doesn't have to do X, Y, and Z, or she has it so easy. She's doing X, Y, and Z, or her job is not so stressful. And, you know, I think it'd be a funny experiment and like the world would totally implode, but it would be a funny experiment if for like a full week, like a full seven days, you switched roles and everything that like the one spouse did, then you would swap. And so I certainly couldn't do that. My husband's job requires a security clearance. So like that wouldn't even work for us. But I just think that would be really, really interesting because I've often thought, you know, if I left the baby with you for a full weekend, like a Friday through Sunday, I think you might lose it. Like I totally trust that you're very capable, but I don't think you realize some times all that goes into it or all that the little nuances that you pick up just like I don't always recognize and probably give enough credit for the stress or the pressure he might feel at work or the challenges that he's facing or the travel or those other aspects. So I think really just giving recognizing that you both have challenging jobs at times they will always every job is going to feel challenging. They'll be challenging in different ways and that doesn't diminish the fact that they are still both challenging. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then again, that goes back to the respect, right? 
right? Respecting and understanding that, okay, I may not know all of the challenges that you face on a daily basis, but I clearly understand that there are challenges there. So again, valuing that both of you have a role to play. Yeah. And that's makes the whole organization. Yeah. I love that you bring up the respect piece too, because I'm sure you're familiar with the book and the series of love and respect. And was it Gary Chapman who wrote that? I'm totally blanking on the author's name now, but he wrote, and it was basically that like women want to be loved and men want to be respected. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. But where I always felt like he was getting it wrong was that I still want to be respected as a woman, that there, a lot of times there is this line of respect and I don't feel respected. And sure, if I don't feel respected, I don't feel loved. Same thing for a man. But I think that's both parties want to feel loved. Mm -hmm. Both parties want to feel respected and they might give and receive it in different ways, but really working to increase that. And if you are struggling with respect as an under, maybe kind of an undercurrent theme in your marriage or in your relationship or at work, like really starting to figure out what is the root issue that you need to be working on? Because I'm sure money and spending has a bunch of roots. Like this might be the tree or the plant that we're seeing, but there's a lot of things underneath it that's fueling it. Right, right. And we often tie money to respect, like people Mm -hmm. with a lot of money are respected more. Yeah, that's interesting. Yes. And the men who make more money are respected more than men. Don't make as much money. Right, right. All of the societal norms around money and respect, right? But what does it say about women who make a lot of money? Well, there are a lot of negative connotations that are associated Mm -hmm. with that, you know? So Mm -hmm. all of these things play a role. So when you think about, Mm -hmm. yes, both parties want to be respected, both parties want to be loved, but you also think about the economy that we're in, right? Yeah, right very differently when we talk about money and respect with the different sexes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is so true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, this was such a fun conversation and I could just keep going and talk to you for hours, but let's go ahead and wrap things up for now, just because I know I'll have you back on again in the future. We've only just scratched the surface. And this has been something I have been talking about with one of my business besties and money has often come up and we've often talked about it. And I love that this is something that I can start to like kind of talk about more publicly, not just with my own thoughts, but bringing in some other experts and people who can provide resources and give that help or provide the community and some of those different things. So I really, really appreciate you being here. And I would love to share how can people connect and to really work with you or to get into one of your communities? What would that look like? Yeah. So I'm on all the the places, Facebook and Instagram at thewholebudget.com. I have a group program called the Whole Budget Program where I help people get the foundation with money, like Mm -hmm. getting to understand how to look at their money, how to start saving money. Mm -hmm. And then my one-on-one clients, I work with them when they're ready to go to the next level. And these are the folks who are really ready to start building wealth, right? And I love to work with couples. That's great. I mean, Mm -hmm. I do work with individuals as well, but I really love to work with couples because there's such strength in how they can build their families and Mm -hmm. build generational wealth for their families. And that is something that a lot of them are interested in. And that I, I just love seeing the transformation over time when they really, it clicks, when they can really start making a change for their family, especially when these are folks that were living paycheck to paycheck. They couldn't even think about five, 10, 20 years down the road when they're barely making ends meet now. So like, how can you start thinking about college 
when I can barely, you know, I'm paying my bills, but I don't see anything left at the end of the day. Right, right. 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 Yeah. So, yeah. so it's really great to work with them too and see that transformation. Wonderful. Yes. And so if you have any fears, hesitations, reservations, just reach out to Shannon and she is going to be more than happy, I'm sure, to talk you through them and help you work through whether it's you wanting to join or do this work with her and maybe your spouse doesn't or you've got some other fears or maybe you've worked with somebody in the past and it really negatively. Like these are things that it shouldn't preclude you or stop you from reaching out and getting the help and getting the support that you want and really fulfilling and walking forward in that vision that you have for your life, for your kid's life. And like you said, really creating that uh, generational wealth. So thank you so much. I really, really just love talking with you. And I can't wait to have you back on another episode, which we I've already got ideas on what we'll be talking about. But yes, thank you so much. Do you have any final thoughts or a final message you would like to leave with everyone listening today? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for having me on. This was so much fun. I mean, we could talk about this forever. I love, love, love talking about money, especially with women and Mm -hmm. getting them to like look at their money stories and then create the security that they really want in the end. So I love it. So thank you so much. And if anybody has any reservations at all about looking at money, ask yourself why. Mm -hmm. Really dig deep and ask yourself why. And then reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful day. If you like this episode, then you'll love my free virtual workshop, Five Keys to End Emotional Eating and Lose Excess Weight for Life. You'll learn the counterintuitive reason why all your attempts to restrict food over the years has actually led to weight gain and the mental switch you need to flick that'll have you dropping pounds without sacrificing wine, carbs, or the food you love. Get all the details at bodyyoucrave.com.